in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hello, Bunk Bunkers. It's Hello. nice to be here with you. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this stellar podcast put on by myself and my co-host, your co-host, Arthur Stone. Andy, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you you sound like some unknown person. Whose, whose identity I can't put my finger on. Let's just say there's a reason they call me Deep Throat. <laughs> um, Andy, today we've got another great topic. Uh, this is for all of you Summerton Man fans and East Doll Woman fans. Yeah. This one's right up your alley. Yeah, this one will be... Uh, this is another uh, unknown dead guy found on a beach. I mean... Not a missing person, a found person. Right. Who has not yet been reported missing. He's uh unsolved mystery. An unsolved, an unsolved mystery. mystery. Of the highest order. Yeah. Uh a man appears on the beach. Yeah. He's deceased. It's a cold case. It's a cold case. Nobody knows who he is. And uh this hot topic came to us from a bug funker. It did. A a long time, long time, long time bunk funker, uh, multi episode, multi episode, um, topic suggester. That's right. Uh, so thank you for this great topic to Dave, Dave originally, originally from, from Ireland. Ireland. Dave originally from Ireland. Thank you so much <laughs> for this great topic. Today we are talking about the Peter Bergman case. Peter Bergman, who was found in Ireland, in Ireland. Dave, Dave originally, originally from, from Ireland. Ireland. So um, this is a great topic. If you're into unsolved mysteries, you're going to love it. If you're into the Summerton Man, uh, you're going to love that one. Uh, and you're going to love this one. And it's like one of those things where it's all these weird mysteries and clues. And it's like, we have no idea what happened to this fella. If you've ever heard of the case of Lyle Stevick, maybe a topic for our debunked sure. episode at Who some knows? point. We don't know. We don't know. We might. But do if, you're, if you're familiar with Lyle Stevick, this is very similar. Um, so if you bunk bunkers can't wait to try and solve the mystery yourself by listening to the actual research of the episode, check out the show notes, find the timestamp in the description. It'll tell you when the research begins. But first, and now I got to tell you about our lives here in the bunker. You know, Art, I, lore. you know, before, before we update the bunk bunkers, this is the lore on, on the lore and what's been happening in the bunker. I have to, I have to take a minute. And actually issue a retraction. 
correction. Um, we don't do it often on this podcast. Oh my and God. Are you admitting fault? And I mean, honestly, we probably should have a retraction and a correction literally every episode. Retraction and corrections facility. Yeah, I mean, a retraction and correctional facility. Yeah, we should have hired people that just correct things that we got wrong. But I got I got something pretty egregiously wrong. Uh, and a bunk funker notified me. Wow. That that I got it wrong. Wow. Oh, my God. Um, and so I I am coming here to apologize and to also set the record straight. Um, some weeks ago, we did an episode uh, on the big gray man of Ben McDewey. Oh, my God. And in that episode, I said some pretty inflammatory things about the West Dundee United um, football team, the soccer team. Uh, and I, I may have, I may have uh, made a lot of comments. In about- fact, uh, bug fuckers, to refresh your memory, here's a clip of Andy saying something shitty about that soccer team. Aberdeen rules. Fuck Dundee United. <laughs> There's any Dundee United listeners out there? Fuck you, Aberdeen rules. Oh no, what have we done? <laughs> fuck you, Dundee United. Go Aberdeen. <laughs> oh, now, bunk. Jesus fucking Christ. I Look, I know I know what you're thinking, Bunk Funkers. Oh, that's bad stuff. You know, I went all in on Aberdeen. Uh, but you know, after after that episode dropped, Good Lord. uh Chris Devlin. OG Bunk Funker Chris Devlin. OG Bunk Funker Chris Devlin. Mountain who, climbing extraordinaire. Mountain climber, mountain man, um Scotland native. Scots Scotsman. Scotch native. Scot Scotlandian. Scott. He's a Scot. Anyway. Uh, we'll have to issue a retraction on that later. So save this clip. Oh, boy. Uh, Chris Devlin. Oh, God. Um, Chris Devlin um, notified me that um, actually Aberdeen sucks. I think they should go fuck off. And uh, Dundee United fucking Dundee rules. Dundee United is, is, the, is the ultimate club. Wow. Uh, and so I'm here, I'm here to say Dundee United rules and Aberdeen fucking drools. Wow. And if you like Aberdeen, you can fuck off. Because we're all in on oh, Dundee God United. Oh, Andy. <laughs> and if there are any Aberdeen fans listening, fuck you. <laughs> and fuck your football team. Fucking Aberdeen. <laughs> You're Aberdeen. You're Aberdeen. Done. Holy shit. Well, there you go, bungfuckers. It's not often that we issue a retraction, but... Chris, for you, you know, thank you for correcting us, informing us that indeed Aberdeen sucks and that we are now a Dundee United podcast. Yeah. I mean, um, Aberdeen can fuck off into yeah. the sea for all I care. <laughs> fuck off the whole team. Fuck you. Fuck you if you like Aberdeen. Fuck you if you live in Aberdeen. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you don't have to fuck off if you live in Aberdeen. That's not your fault necessarily. But I mean, if you support the football team, fuck you. <laughs> This is a Dundee, this is D-U-F-C fucking podcast now, so, wow. you know, come get some if you fucking like Aberdeen. D-U-F-C, baby, till we die. Yeah. We bleed. We bleed their colors. Yeah. We bleed the Dundee United colors. <laughs> Which we all know what they are, so we don't need to say it. We don't need to say it. We all love the, the all the mottos and then mascots and the yep. songs and everything. And the players. There's oh, no, all the, the players. players. But there's no reason fan. to go into it because we all know them and we love them, but- 
you know. And who can forget uh, the coach? Yeah, there's no reason to bring it up because we already know them and love them. Oh, what a great coach. I mean, it's a good team, and Aberdeen fucking sucks, and fuck Aberdeen. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so I just had to issue that retraction. Uh, thank you, Andy. Thank you for issuing correction. that retraction, that recorrection. That's, uh, I'm sure that now Chris, OG Bunkfucker Chris, can um, rest easy knowing that he has corrected such a ma- massive error. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for setting the record straight that Dundee United's cool and Aberdeen fucking sucks and yeah. is trash and is probably the worst football team that's ever been created. Uh, their players are basically like amateur uh, middle school athletes. Uh, <laughs> and Aberdeen, I don't know what else I can say. That, As opposed to professional middle school athletes. Yeah, professional, I mean, professional middle school. Let's let's face it. <laughs> nobody on Aberdeen's team is making the English national team, the right. Scottish national team. Let's like, put it this way. Nobody on Aberdeen could even play in the USA. Yeah. I mean, they're not even good for MLS. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dundee United hogged out Chad's uh, Footballers extraordinaire. Yeah. Um, Aberdeen fucking sucks. Yeah, the fans are real lads. So, um, fuck you, Aberdeen. Bottom line. Bottom so, line. Uh, here's what's been happening in the bunker this here's week. Here's what's going on in the bunker. So, thank you, Chris. Fuck Aberdeen. Um, here's what's been going on in the bunker this week. Um, we had a little car trouble. The car broke down. Uh, of course, we have a great big conversion van that has um, beautiful scenes of Viking warfare painted <laughs> on the side. Uh, in the moonlight with lightning crashing into war hammers and, um, you know. And then, and then of course, you know, there's... Um... No, never mind. Who sung that song? Live? About lightning, lightning crashes? Yeah, that was live. Yeah, they're painted on the back. Yeah, they're painted on the back. Uh, there's a large gray wolf on one side, and he's eating the moon and the earth. Uh yeah, and there's clearly visible Vikings on both the moon and the earth. <laughs> and this is our conversion van. This is our conversion van. It's very cool. It's all, all shag interior. All shag interior. Everything is shag, even the steering wheel. All the knobs are shag. The all tra- the switches are shag. The, the transmission shag. The cigarette lighter is shag. The the dials shag. All of it. <laughs> shag. Shag speedometer. Shag fuel gauge. It's so. Numbers are very hard to read, so we have to take a big old guess. It's hard to read. It's very stinky. There's all, lots, oh my god, it fucking stinks in there. You, you know the mats that are on the floor, the car mats, they're shag, and it's it's just you know you get in when it rains. The engine is shag too. Shag oil, shag gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it when we drive down the street, you know the exhaust is just shag fiber shooting out the. The tailpipe, which we is shag. We, uh, the other day, we fucking rammed a Lyft driver off the road because fuck them. And uh, <laughs> we uh, we stole their big pink mustache and put it on the hood of our car instead because we are like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. I want a piece of that. So we, we, clipped their, we clipped the side. You know, we didn't do anything crazy. We didn't damage the engine. We're not assholes. No. We just wanted you off the... We just clipped the end. Yeah. A and little road rash. Since we had that big pink mustache, then we also uh, ran an Arby's catering van off the road and stole the big cowboy hat off the top of that yeah because as everybody knows arby's does catering <laughs> and their vans have the big arby's cowboy hat on top bug bookers if you're getting married consider having arby's cater your wedding it'll be a big hit i mean you won't be horsing around with that catering decision it's true and and they'll make you a wedding cake out of roast beef <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and and everyone's favorite tradition is where the uh, you know the bride and the groom shove ajou in their faces. Yeah. Ugh. So oh cute. my god. You know they have those little flutes full of ajou. They interlock there. Right there, and then yeah, it's beautiful. Um. So With we have an that. onion ring. I the wed. It's um. And of course we have a custom muffler. We have a custom muffler. Very loud. We wanted a, the loudest muffler possible. Yeah. If there's if there's one thing we both love, Andy and I both love, it's a big fucking honking hairy muff our our muff is total shag very hairy it's like 16 inches wide we're talking 70s shag and we hooked it up to a megaphone Mm. so that whenever it blasts i mean and and our engine yeah you know is poorly out functioning so the car backfires all the time and stuff (laughs) the van and we hook it up to a megaphone so it just like Blasts out this noise the whole time. Yeah, we have um, we have one of those classic uh, dashboard. We have lots of dashboard knickknacks. Oh, well, yeah. of course, we have a classic um, hula girl. She's made totally of shag. Right, shag hula girl. Um, we have fuzzy dice that are t- made of shag. Shaggy dice is really what they should call them. Shaggy dice. And then, of course, we have our shaggy dice, which is pictures of Shaggy from Scooby Doo in dice form. Each, you know, each little dot. Each little number, single number yeah. on the dice is a is a different picture of Scooby. Yeah. There's only one CD that uh or Shaggy. There's only one CD that's um it's it's stuck, it's lodged in the Shag CD player. You yeah. can't get it out. It's Shaggy's, it wasn't me. Yeah. The single. The single. The CD single. It's a collector's item, so it's it, comes shag. With the, it comes with the car now. Tires are made of shag. <laughs> These are Bridgestone shag tires. You can't get these anywhere else. They're they're run flats. They're all pun- weather. <laughs> they're puncture resistant because there's no air. It's just no shag. Air. It's just shag. It's carpet. <laughs> the ride is re- real smooth. Oh, the ride is so Unless smooth. you hit a bump. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you are driving on a completely like scientifically leveled frictionless plane. Oh, it's so smooth. Also, it doesn't do well in precipitation. Gets very bogged down in the rain <laughs> and the snow, but you know what? It's our it's our family vehicle, so and we love it. It's got enough room for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, adult baby David Crosby and Pia Musk can run around in the back. They can play chess on the shag chessboard that we had installed. Uh, the back seat folds into a bed. A lot of times we'll pull up and people will be like, "Oh, cool! You guys are like, you guys are like, are you doing like a wacky racist thing? Like, where's Dick Dastardly?" And we're like. Like, what are you, I'm not rolling my window down. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I'm like, what was that? And then, you know, they leave and they're like, oh, fucking idiots. And then, you know, we're always talking and I'm like, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, and then this big old pink panther shows up and it goes, oh, exit stage left. Take a turn, stage left. The pink panther, or whatever his name is. It's uh, like this Snagglepuss looking character. Oh, Snagglepuss guy. Yeah, Snagglepuss. That was his name. And um yeah, he uh, you know, he's kind of like the GPS. We have a we have a, we have a Snagglepuss GPS system. Shagglepuss, that's what we call him. Shagglepuss. Yeah, Shagglepuss cuz it's made of shag. I mean, shag. Shag interior. So, so uh, we had some car trouble. Shock. Uh, I know. The car, Shocking. Car broke down. Um we were uh 
we were on our way to uh we were on route 69 that's not the actual name but uh that's what we call every road that's what we call most roads and and a lot of times we like to stop and take the road signs down or like with a big old sharpie and write 69 yeah yeah we have a so we have a compartment in the van that's just got a bunch of road signs in it that have the number 69 on it that we had custom made yeah so we'll take down actual road signs especially ones that indicate like upcoming construction or something just so it says route 69 and then you know the way that we had the artwork done on the signs it looks like the six and the nine are you know 69 69ing yeah you can see their genitals yeah yeah Yes, they're both men. <laughs> both have penises. Yeah, big old, big old dongs. <laughs> Hog down numbers. But, you know, we were out changing road signs. Uh, and the car broke down. Wouldn't start back, some, wouldn't start wouldn't back start up. up. We, we shut it off. We got out of the car. We replaced the road signs uh, to say where the hospital was with, you know, Route 69 signs. And we couldn't get the dang thing started again. Which is uncommon. I mean, um, you know, and we have a few d- little tips and tricks. You know, everybody has little tips and tricks for their car. Mm-hmm. How to get your car started back up again. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, give it some gas or just you got to slam the left door and then give it gas at the right time and have the radio off and rock it, rock it back and forth, it back and forth. Um, you know, we stopped. Um, I don't know, a drifter, uh, a lone wolf mm-hmm. type of character. Yeah. You know future serial killer type of guy yeah yeah hitchhiker hitchhiker uh and you know we were like hey can you flag down a car so we can jump this thing right and uh you know he wandered off into the distance Mm -hmm. with those signs for the hospital um so we were kind of left you know we were kind of device we're kind of sol yeah shit out of luck yeah now we can't afford triple a no and we wouldn't even if we could right because uh it's a scam Oh, um, because uh, I pay for something, but my car's not always broken down. No, thanks. That's like insurance. I don't believe in it. Right. You don't fucking need it. You just pay uh, for stuff when it happens. I, I don't need to. I don't. I'm not always in the hospital. <laughs> insurance is pointless. Yeah. My house isn't always on fire. And we can't afford OnStar either. No. Um, even though uh, we we do like to call their number a lot. Yeah. When we're driving. Mm hmm. Just check um, in. Just to check in and see how the people that man those phone lines 24-7 are doing. We have a lot of affinity for uh, customer service workers. Yeah, no, we love car. We love our customer service. And so we do our part by tying up the phone lines uh, and, you know, taking up their day with inane banter. We've tried to, to hit up the general insurance and see, and we keep asking to say if like, you know, and they keep saying we're an insurance company. And we keep saying like, well... Are you going to send that little general guy in a cute little car to pick us up if something happens? And they say, no, that's just like a cartoon mascot. And I get, I mean, I'm starting to get really confused because it's like, well, I'm seeing this guy in the commercials. What's he doing on there? I've seen him with Shaq. Shaq. Yeah. We're a great It's like, well, I want that guy to show up and help me out when I'm having a bind. Like, yeah, this feels like false advertising to me. It is false advertising. It's a and scam. So we won't use the general. No. Um, you know, until they allow us to interact with the general in some capacity. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for the general because he's been in a lot of wars. Um, you know, he, you know, famously, you know, you can see on the show that he has a few medals of honor. He's killed in combat. He's a fucking general. Yeah. Like, he killed people. Yeah. He rose through the ranks. He was not, he was not an off. He didn't go to right. officer school and, no. you know, part of the professional. He rose through the ranks. 
as a Marine, killing the enemies of the USA. That's right. With his bare hands That's and right. with his guns. Um, And so, you know, we have to use this, like, shitty off-brand service called... Um, Single A. It's called A. It's called A. Um, and you know, in their customer service is not the best because you call them up and it's like this one gruff guy with this gravelly, gross voice, and he's always saying stuff like, "Ah, so you finally need my help? You so finally, you, you and Andy are coming to me for help." Yeah, I knew you'd come crawling back. I knew you'd come crawling back. I knew you guys are just playing dumb, trying to forget me. And I'm like, "Hello, I'm trying to talk to you about the the Can somebody help me with my car, Shagula." Which of course we also think that our car is a is a vampire. Yeah, and we're trying to get Rob Zombie to write songs about it. Yeah, my Shagula. It's like, but again, he doesn't return our calls either. Yeah, a lot of, of people don't return our calls. Yeah, get a lot of bullshit. So this this gruff voiced guy is always picking up the phone, and it's like, my God, can you just like get to the fucking point? The Shagula is having problems. We're out here. On, we're out here on the side of Route sixty nine. He's like, well, where the fuck is that? There's no Route 69. It's like, yeah, look at the signs, dumbass. It says Route 69. Oh, God. Go to the road where the where the numbers have big old ding-dongs. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I guess the more A's you have, the better the service. So yeah. if we could we could buy 69A, I'd buy 69A service, but yeah. I can't afford it. So. Yeah. And single A, I mean, A, it's, it's fine. But it's free. So I guess you get what you pay for. So eventually we get a tow truck to come out. Yeah. Still truck doesn't even fucking talk. Yeah. Which is bullshit. Yeah, it's all rusted out, but it's not tow mater from the movie Cars. Right. Which is fucking stupid. So I pouted in the van and he said, You can ride in the truck with me. And I said, Fuck you. I'm gonna ride in the van. Yeah. So they tow the Shagula over to the mechanic shop. Yeah. And it's just this like weird, kind of broken down. Dusty old shop. There was like a tumbleweed, which isn't even native to where There's we live. There's no employees. It's just a gruff. It's like all guy. of a sudden we were in a desert area and it was very arid. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck? And like there was a cactus. And I was like, where the fuck did you take us? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't just, remember a desert off of Route 69, but here we were. And, um, you know, it was uh, it was called Mr. Body's Body Shop. Yeah. And it was like. Just this one gruff, buff guy in overalls working there. And he was like... Overalls and nothing else. You could clearly see nothing else. No shirt. No shirt. Obviously no pants. Underpants. Um, And so he, you know, he has us and he opens up the hood. Yeah. And he's like, I want you all to come take a look at this. And it's like, at this point, me and you were like, you know, trying to look at all the nudie magazines that they had in the... In the front of the shop. Yeah, there were a lot of nudie mags. I mean, some of these some of these playgirls I didn't even have. <laughs> these were collector playgirls. Yeah, these were playgirls. And Histler. Yeah. It's, yeah, Histler. <laughs> My favorite magazine, Histler. <laughs> Oh God. And so um you know, and uh and 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 so he calls us over and he makes us go look at the engine and 
you know, I guess I had never noticed this about the Shagula before, but like the engine kind of like, like it had these like big eyes and this big mouth where like the carburetor was and like some of the pipes and stuff. And then like it turned and looked at us and was like, ha ha, it's me, Mr. Bunker. I transformed myself into a car engine. And I broke down on the side of Route 69. <laughs> yeah, and he kept saying, like, this is not a costume. I transformed myself into this shag car engine. <laughs> my life is pain, but it's worth it to capture you, too. I converted my body to process fluids for your shagula. And now you're seeing this avatar of me who is, who is the mechanic and who is working at single A. And it's always been me. And you're so stupid, you don't even recognize it. And I was just thinking, oh my God, how much is this going to fucking cost? I'm like, oh, shit. It's like, this looks bad. of everything you don't want to see when you go to a mechanic shop, it's that your car engine is sentient and it's talking. That's the most expensive fix of anything. A sentient car engine. <laughs> well, and it's like a cars are supposed to be designed so that the engines don't become sentient because well, it's very expensive. We don't fix. have like a sentient car, but we did install like a Knight Rider kind of system that you can flick switches and that has like pre-programmed things. We call we call it David Shagglehoff. Yeah, and and it and it lets us, you know, we we kind of can talk to like kind of like a uh, a Knight Rider sort of uh, kit sort of thing. Yeah, but we programmed it to sound like David Shagglehoff. Yeah, everything I do, it says, "Don't do that, Andy." <laughs> But this was totally different. I'm not programmed to accept that kind of input. And so... Uh, <laughs> it just keeps saying that to me. Are you um, you sticking your dick in the air conditioning again, Andy? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's better than you trying to put your penis in the ignition. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done that. In a long time, right? You promised me you would stop doing that. Yeah, I definitely didn't try that last week. Or even, you know, a few times in the last month. Yeah. So at this point, we're getting out our wallets and we're like, oh, fuck, how much is this going to cost? And at that point, both the car and the sentient car engine and the faceless mechanic man who was standing next to us gave out a very large sigh. Yeah. And they're like, this is obviously a setup. <laughs> And none of this is real. There's no problem with your car. This is just a ruse to abduct you to podcast again. And we're like, so it's not as bad as we think. And then or, he, just, he just slammed the fucking hood of the Shagula on us and we woke up here in the bunker. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to see when we get out of here if the Shagula still runs. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, uh, we've we been talking about maybe getting a new car, but, you know, we're kind of attached to the Shagula. Yeah, they just don't make them like they used to. They don't make them like they used to. I mean, it gets like four miles to the gallon, um, which is great. This is exactly, I mean, you know, the problem with increased fuel efficiency is that you stop at the gas station fewer times, which means fewer snacks. Right, when are you supposed to get your snacks? Yeah, I don't get, I don't get why people are like, oh, fuel economy is good. It's like, it's not. <laughs> it's not it's a pain they have it the wrong way those eggheads they'll try and try and get you away from those precious gas stations yeah i know this is just another freaking scam and that's where the gas station makes all their money is through the snacks not yeah. the gas no gas is <clears throat> gas is incredibly cheap low margin low margin on gas high high margin on kit kats though yeah. skittles oh my god 
margins through the roof, 80% profit. Well, anyway, bunk bunkers, um, that was this, you know, that's how we got into the bunker this, this week. And, um, you know, hopefully if, if you all, it would really mean a lot to us, you know, thoughts, if you could send your thoughts and prayers to the Shagula, um, hopefully it gets better. And if you ever see the Shagula out on the road, let us know. And, um, you know, maybe we'll give you a little honk. Yeah. So if you ever find yourself on route 69, right. Stop by and say hi. Um, but bunkfuckers today we have to, we have to put all of our thoughts and prayers into figuring out what happened to this, this unsolved mystery of this, this, this dead body that washed ashore in Ireland. Yeah. Peter Bergman. Peter Bergman. Peter Bergman. And, um, up in the air, Peter Bergman. Yeah. And, um, a lot of, lot of interesting mystery involved with this one. A lot of CCTV footage as well. Mm-hmm. If you, for you creeps out there. For you creeps. So, who like surreptitiously watching people do stuff in public. That's right. Well, let's get into it. This is the uh, Peter Bergman case. Peter Bergman. Here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time. I guess. Shagula. Hey, Art. Did you know that my my paternal great-grandmother was an Irish immigrant to the United States? Wow, Andy, I did not know that. Um, Hey, Andy, did you know that I don't give a fat shit about you or your fucking stupid family? Um, wow. I, I was going to demand that you kiss me because I'm Irish, but no, I just don't feel like it. I guess I'll just keep eating these raw potatoes. Ugh. Oh, God, why are those potatoes so juicy? Oh, there's potato water running all over your shirtless body. Where's your shirt? They're old potatoes I left out in the rain, okay? But did you even clean them off? Jeez. Get the luck of the Irish. You're the yuck of the Irish. Man, Whatever. I'm sorry I brought it up. I only mentioned it because it's germane to today's topic. Who? My ancestry. Germane. Look, let's just forget my family history and whatever I'm currently eating. Oh, God. And move on to our subject, the mysterious death of Peter Bergman. Quote, unquote, Peter Bergman. Yeah, well, it's true. We'll get into it. A body was found on a beach in County Sligo, Ireland in 2009. Despite an investigation by Irish authorities, the identity of the person has never been proven. It's not even known where this person came from, what they were up to, or even why they came to Ireland at all. It's a case so mysterious and so eerily similar, it's been called Ireland's Tomham Should, named after the famous Australian case of an unidentified body on the beach, the Somerton Man. It's also been compared to the suspicious and unsolved death of an unknown woman in Norway, the Eistall Woman. Both of these were topics we covered on this show. And just like those cases, your old pals, Andy and Art, are here to give you a chalet-sized serving of the whole enchilada on this topic. So for the story of the so-called Peter Bergman, we're going to start at Peter Bergman's end. That is, the discovery of his dead body. On the morning of June 16th, 2009, a Tuesday, Arthur Kinsella, great name, and his son Brian, average name, 
We're on Ross's Point Beach in County Sligo in the Republic of Ireland on the planet Earth. Mm. Brian was training for a triathlon. Triathlons, of course, are the endurance sporting event where you're in a race and one part is running, one part is cycling, and one part is swimming, and all parts are badass. Been there, done that. Except it was a triethalon for me. That's an endurance eating contest where one part is chicken wings, one part is hot dogs and buns, and one part is bathtubs full of ice cream. I'm one of the top triethletes in the country, okay? I converted the bunker bathtub into my own personal ice cream trough for training. The best strategy is to fill the tub with ice cream and then submerge your body completely, letting the ice cream be eaten by you rather than trying to eat the ice cream. I've seen you do this, and it's like watching a nuclear bomb detonation. I mean, it's impressive in a horrible and deeply concerning way, Bunk Bunkers. You let the ice cream be eaten by you. You let it, like, soak into your pores. Yeah, you just, you you consume it. You subsume it. Jesus Christ. Anywho, back to Ross's Point Beach at 6.45 a.m., Arthur Kinsella, great name, found the body of a man lying on the beach. The man was dressed much like me when I go to the beach. He was wearing pink and purple striped Speedos with his underwear over them and a t-shirt, which was tucked in. So, you know, a pretty standard swimming costume. Oh, I should say so. It's what I wear when I go to the beach. That's my swimming costume as well. He was also wearing a waterproof quartz watch on his left arm. The tide was out at this time in the morning, and Arthur noted there did not appear to be any footprints around the body. It seemed to Arthur like the body had washed up on the shore. Arthur and Brian said the Lord's Prayer for the man. Then they called the Angarda Shikona, a.k.a. the Gardai, which is Ireland's national police force. At 8.10 a.m., the man was officially pronounced dead. So the Gardai... The wow. Gardai, that's a rolled R, right? Yeah. The Gardai had a body, but they didn't know whose body this was or how exactly the man had died. Unsurprisingly, an investigation was launched. <laughs> that's kind of their job. The medical examiner, Clive Kilgallen. It's me, Clive Kilgallen. It's a great name. Great name. Not as cool as Arthur, though. Ooh. Performed an autopsy of the body on June 17th, a Wednesday. Kilgallen found neither indications of homicide nor indicators of a, quote, classical saltwater drowning, end quote. So if this man died by drowning in the sea, it was in a new and progressive way. Yeah, pushing the envelope. <laughs> I dig it. Physically, the man was thin. He was five feet, ten and a half inches tall, tan with blue eyes and gray hair. And he seemed to be in his 50s or 60s. The autopsy found that the man had had extensive dental work done, including a gold tooth. I love gold. That's Let me right. kiss your mouth. Oh, behave. The man was also found to be in pretty shitty health. <laughs> he was a heavy smoker, and there was a lot of other issues too. The man had advanced prostate cancer, which had spread to the chest and lungs, bone tumors, Signs of multiple previous heart attacks. Oh, and, oh, and the guy only had one kidney because the other one had already been removed. Jeez, who did this autopsy? My doctor? Because this sounds like me. <laughs> well, you are a medical misfortune. Um, anyway, 
The toxicology report did not show any medication in the man's body, despite the fact that the metal examiner, the metal examiner, oh, yeah. Moshing. This is indeed metal. Moshing while doing the autopsy. The medical examiner believed the man would have been in constant pain, uh, owning to his um, absolutely horrid body. Absolutely horrid body? Now you sound like the editors of Playgirl magazine after I sent them my nude photo portfolio. They said they normally don't respond to people if they don't use the photos sent to them, but in my case, my body was so unappealing and bad, they felt compelled to write me and let me know. It's true. On the one hand, though, a lot of 40K people think that you're doing an amazing Nurgle cosplay. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do resemble the grandfather of disease. The god of disease and pestilence. Yeah. That's you. Grandpa Nurgle. Come sit on my lap. Oh, God. My knee fell off because it's all moldy and fungy. Nurgle. Uh, but hey, bung funkers. One thing to keep in mind with this toxicology report is, as with most toxicology reports, uh, the report did not screen for absolutely every substance that could have contributed to this man's death. So while the report returned nothing, it can't be ruled out that this man was under the influence of some other kind of drug or something. In the end, the official cause of death for the man was listed as acute cardiac arrest, a heart attack. Back at the beach... The guardi found more of the man's clothes neatly folded and placed on a rock. From the beach, the police also recovered the following. A C&A brand black leather jacket, a black Tommy Hilfiger sweater vest, size 50 C&A brand chino pants in navy blue, Key West USA black leather belt, which was made in Italy, blue socks, and European size 44, US size 11, black leather thin comfort shoes now clearly bungfuckers you can tell that this guy was a member of the notorious biker gang biker gang hell's cpas ah uh, yeah it goes without saying don't need to see his membership card to know that one he's got the uniform down <laughs> uh strangely though all the clothes had their labels cut out where have we seen that before yeah including the articles the man was wearing when his body was discovered other belongings found on the beach in the man's pockets were 140 euros in bills or notes and nine euros in coins, all in an envelope. Aspirin tablets, which were determined to have been distributed in Germany. Uh, Hansoplast bandages or plasters for our listeners in Ireland and the UK. A package of facial tissues. An unopened bar of hotel soap, which strangely was found to be of a brand not made in Ireland or used by any hotels in Ireland. This guy was an international soap thief. That dastard. Andy, that might be true, but despite all the things that they did find, one important thing that the guard I could not find was the man's ID, or really any identification of any kind at all. Even though they didn't have much to go on, the guard I we're able to begin to piece together a timeline of events in the days leading up to the man's death, mainly by using CCTV footage of the man, but also incorporating witness accounts. And, and I mean, for, for those who don't know what CCTV is, it's closed circuit TV, I believe, yeah, which closed, is a it's closed circuit television. So it's like security cameras. It's and security stuff. cameras that are installed throughout the UK yeah. that monitor public areas. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just, just, yeah. 
So on June 12th, 2009, a Friday, the man was recorded by CCTV cameras at the Ulster Bus Depot in Derry, a.k.a. Londonderry, Northern Ireland, between 2.30 and 4 p.m. This was the first recorded sighting of the man, or at least the earliest time police could document a sighting of the man found dead on Ross's Point Beach. At the bus depot, the man, who was carrying a black shoulder bag and a black carry-on luggage bag, hopped a bus to Sligo Station. The bus arrived at Sligo Station at 6.28 p.m., where the man was again recorded by CCTV cameras. The man then got in a taxi and asked to be taken somewhere with a cheap room. Despite there being multiple hotels within walking distance of the bus depot. So, it seemed like the man was unfamiliar with Sligo, and he clearly didn't have a reservation anywhere. Either. The taxi? Yeah. Whoops. The taxi took the man to the Cruz Kunlon. Cruzkin Lawn, yeah. The Cruzkin Lawn guest house on Connolly Street, and there was no room at the inn. So the taxi took the man to the Sligo City Hotel, <laughs> where he checked in using the name Peter Bergman. That's B-E-R-G-M-A-N-N, Bergman with two N's, rather than the traditional German spelling, which is one N. Now, that's not to say that spelling with two N's is weird or that nobody spells their name that way or anything. It's just something to note. Yeah. Peter Bergman gave his address as uh, Einstetteson, 15, uh, 4472 Wien, which is German for Vienna, Austria. Now, according to some sources, this address given by Bergman was a vacant lot in Austria, but really, the address given by Bergman is... It's, it's not a proper Austrian address at all, so there's really no way to tie it definitively to a physical location. And Austria does have a postal code system, and the codes are four digits long, but the postal codes in Vienna begin with a one, not with a four, like he indicated, which was uh, 4472. So uh, there's, there's also no street as Einstetessen in Austria or Germany, Einstetessen is close to an actual Austrian town of Amstetten. Amstetten. Jesus. But the way Bergman used it in the address, he gave it where the street name should be. So it seems more likely that the address was a fake, albeit structured in a somewhat convincing way to those who, unlike me, are not intimately familiar with the Austrian postal systems address conventions, as well as Austrian and German street and municipality names. I have them all memorized. You are very knowledgeable about this. So the guard, I eventually began to realize that the address and the name given by this man were fake. Despite this, we'll keep referring to the deceased as Peter Bergman, since it's really the only name we have for him. The use of a fake name made the investigation difficult because the guard, I couldn't figure out exactly how Bergman got to Ireland or where he came into Ireland exactly. It's been hypothesized that he was likely not in Northern Ireland for very long before taking the bus to Sligo Town because there were no witnesses who recalled him from his time in Northern Ireland. The bus depot in Derry is near the airport in Derry, which is not far away from Belfast. So it's possible he flew into one of those airports and went straight to the bus depot. It's also been suggested that he may have taken a ferry to Northern Ireland from Great Britain as the ferry doesn't require passport checks. That said... Nobody from Great Britain has ever come forward with any information about the man, so it's still a question about how he got to Great Britain and what he was doing there also. 
The name Peter Bergman didn't yield any matches to a person with his description in logs of visitors or other identity checks. Similarly, a check of passports issued in Europe, North America, and South America did not match the name Peter Bergman with the physical description of the man found on Ross's Point Beach. The man going by Peter Bergman, who witnesses reported had an Austrian or German accent, by the way, paid in full in quiche, that's cash, for a three-night stay in room 705 at the Sligo City Hotel. Quiche, of course, you know, is Irish Gaelic for cash. That's right. As I am a yeah. native Irish yeah. person. Yeah. Um, hotel staff did not ask Bergman to provide proof of his identity, even though they were required to by law. During his three-night stay, CCTV cameras at the hotel and around Sligo Town Recorded Bergman, you know, leaving the hotel on at least 13 occasions, carrying an iconic purple plastic bag, which appeared to be full of different items. Each time, Bergman was seen returning to the hotel without the plastic bag. So he would leave with a plastic bag full of items, return without it. Interestingly, despite decent CCTV camera coverage in Sligo Town around the hotel, Peter Bergman's movements while away from the hotel are not completely known. Bergman seemed to plan his routes away from the hotel to specifically end up in security camera blind spots, almost like he knew where the cameras were. Regardless of whether that's true or not, the end result is that the Gardai aren't sure exactly what was in the purple plastic bag or bags or what happened to the belongings inside. Further, Bergman was not seen on camera meeting with another person or using a mobile phone at all. The only people he was seen talking to were people with whom he had been uh, had been a more transactional relationship, you know, like the front desk staff at the hotel or workers at the bus depots. On June 13th, that's Saturday, as captured by CCTV cameras, Bergman walked to the main post office in Sligo at 1049 a.m. While at the post office, Bergman purchased eight or ten, depending on the source, 82-cent stamps and airmail stickers. In 2009, you could send a letter inside Ireland for 55 cents. So at 82 cents postage, whatever Bergman was planning to mail was presumably destined for beyond the Emerald Isle. Interesting to note, the post office in Sligo has outgoing mail receptacles inside the building, as well as outside. CCTV cameras have eyes on the mailbox inside, but the outside box is not monitored. If Peter Bergman deposited mailings in the exterior mailbox at Sligo, CCTV cameras would not have captured that activity. In another interesting twist, there was some kind of a technical problem with obtaining the CCTV footage from the post office. So the guard were missing some, some of the footage, which was not able to be recovered. Ultimately, it's not known if Peter Bergman ever actually mailed anything with the stamps he purchased. It's also worth noting that the Gardai did not find the postage stamps and stickers with Bergman's other belongings. On June 14th, Sunday, Bergman was observed leaving the Sligo City Hotel sometime between 11 a.m. and 11.30 a.m., and he was carrying a map. Taxi driver Gerard Higgins approached Bergman because he's a smart fucking taxi driver. As Higgins puts it, I got out of my minibus to say hello because a man with a map wishes to go somewhere. Spot on Gerard Higgins. Like Gerard Higgins walked into this room. <laughs> I know he's Irish. I'm sorry, bunkbunkers. I couldn't do it. It's just like a crappy British accent just came out. 
I shouldn't have even tried it. Bergman asked Higgins for local tips on good swimming beaches and told Higgins he was considering swimming at Strand Hill. But Higgins knew Strand Hill was more of a surfing beach. Oh, and of course, we all know those famous Irish surf, uh, that famous Irish surf culture, baby. We all remember the sun-drenched 1960s pop hits from Irish pop group, the Blarney Blokes. Surfing Ireland, Lassie Surfer, and Cassius O'Connor versus Sonny McCarthy. Great songs. Great songs. All of them. Love those songs. Love the Blarney Blokes. Anyway, taxi driver Higgins recommended Ross's Point Beach instead and drove Bergman there. But Bergman didn't stay at Ross's Point Beach. Instead, he got out, looked around, and then got back into the taxi and asked Higgins to drop him off at the Sligo bus stop. On June 15th, Monday, Bergman checked out of the Sligo City Hotel at 1.06 p.m. He specifically requested a late checkout, saying he had some errands to run. After running his uh, quote-unquote errands, which involved him leaving with a full purple plastic bag and returning empty-handed, Bergman returned to the hotel to end his stay. During checkout, Bergman was wearing the same clothes that were recovered from the beach after his body was discovered. He was also wearing a blue long-sleeve shirt, but that shirt was never recovered. Bergman departed the hotel with the infamous purple plastic bag, a black shoulder bag, and a black carry-on luggage bag. Now, depending on the source... It's possible that either the shoulder bag or the carry-on bag are not the same bags he was seen with on the 12th of June when he boarded the bus in Londonderry and arrived in Sligo Town. People say the shoulder bag was a different bag. Some people say the carry-on bag was different. Either way, it seems like the bags might not have been the same. After leaving the hotel, Bergman walked to one of his most popular destinations, the Sligo Bus Depot. On this day, Bergman stopped by the Quayside Shopping Center, where he just kind of like stood around in a doorway for a few minutes, lurking like me. Yeah. Until about 1.16 p.m. when he started walking down Wine Street towards the bus depot. At 1.32 p.m., Bergman arrived at the bus depot. Another thing to note is that the walk from the Sligo City Hotel to the Sligo Bus Depot should usually take around 10 minutes or so. But it took Peter Bergman 26 minutes to make the walk that day. And 16 of those minutes were after he stopped at Quayside Shopping Center. When Bergman got to the bus depot, he did not have the black carry-on luggage bag he had while checking out of the hotel. Only the purple plastic bag and the black shoulder bag. None of the bags Peter Bergman was carrying with him that day were ever recovered by the guard eye. At 1.38 p.m., Bergman got a cappuccino and a toasted ham and cheese sandwich at the Bus Depot Cafe. So, a couple of things about this. First, great meal choice, honestly. I mean, solid. Secondly, a toasted sandwich at an Irish Bus Depot? Now look, I'm not so sure I'd want to eat hot food prepared in a bus station in the USA, but it would be nice to at least have the option, okay? Sadly, this cafe has since closed. <laughs> Bad news That's the biggest tragedy of the whole story. If you if you were planning to go to Sligo, to the bus depot, to get to the cafe, to have a toasted cheese sandwich, I'm sorry, it's closed. So Bergman sat at a table with other people nearby, but true to form, he didn't speak with them. While at the bus depot cafe, Bergman was observed writing something on a piece of paper he pulled out of his pocket. After reading the paper, he tore up the paper and threw it away. 
It's been speculated that the paper was a checklist and Bergman had finally completed all the items on the list. At 2.40 p.m., Bergman got on the bus bound for Ross's Point, arriving at the bus stop at 3 p.m. The Gardai investigation revealed that Bergman did not have any known accommodations arranged at a later time. He also only purchased a one-way ticket for the bus, so he had no known plans after departing the bus at Ross's Point um, at the beach. 16 witnesses reported seeing Bergman walking along the beach. While seemingly overdressed for the beach, witnesses did not report having, you know, any particular suspicious behavior from him, though they admitted that Bergman seemed out of place, you know, especially given his strange attire. So here's a rundown of the witness sightings at the beach. At 4 p.m., witnesses saw Bergman walking the beach with his shoulder bag. At 5 p.m., he was observed near the yacht club. At 9.10 p.m., two women saw Bergman carrying something, but they didn't know what exactly. At 9.30 p.m., Witnesses saw Bergman walking the beach with his pants rolled up to his knees. At 10.30 p.m. and at 11 p.m., Bergman was spotted by separate witnesses with a plastic bag. Maybe the purple bag, but we don't know for sure. At 11.10 p.m., yet another witness saw him sitting on a beach, on a bench on the beach. At 11.50 p.m., Bergman was seen with a plastic bag walking on the water's edge. High tide was expected before 12.30 a.m. This was the last known sighting of the living Peter Bergman. While on the beach, Bergman was seen by witnesses wearing his glasses. However, the glasses were never recovered. Of course, you already know that in the morning of the 16th, Bergman's body was found washed ashore. Later, after a five-month-long investigation, the Gardai stopped their active investigation uh, into Peter Bergman's death, but left the case open. Despite CCTV capturing clear images of the man and a forensic artist producing a higher quality rendering of the man's likeness, no relatives or friends or anybody ever contacted authorities to say they recognized the man in the images. A 2015 report in the French newspaper Le Monde reported the paper contacted Austrian police about the Peter Bergman case. The Austrian authorities claimed the Gardai had never contacted them. Irish authorities, of course, say they did contact the Austrian police. On September 18th, 2009, the man who went by Peter Bergman was buried in Sligo Cemetery in an unmarked grave. The burial plot is one owned by the Irish Health Service executive to bury bodies that are not claimed by family. The plot can accommodate three bodies, and there was already a body buried there when Peter Bergman was interred. According to the Sligo Cemetery gravedigger Brian Scanlon, a third body will not be buried on the plot in the event Peter Bergman's body needs to be exhumed. And that's basically what we know uh, at the time of this recording. You know, despite that information, there are definitely more questions in this case than there are answers. And even the guard, I agree that the actions of Peter Bergman suggest a man who is very methodical and had a very specific purpose in mind when traveling to Sligo and doing the things he did while there. While the Gardai have never officially put forward any theories on what Bergman was up to, other people certainly have their hypotheses. Now, this first one is pretty obvious, I think. Plenty of people think Peter Bergman was doing all of this to die on his own terms. Right. Bergman was riddled with disease and likely in constant pain. He was probably going to succumb to his malady soon, like as soon as a few weeks. So maybe he went to all the trouble of planning this elaborate exit from life just to exercise some form of control on how it happened. 
Perhaps Bergman preferred not to go through the suffering associated with advanced cancer and was trying to avoid spending his final moments confined to a hospital bed doped out on opioid painkillers. In this scenario, it's generally assumed that Bergman intended to have his body washed out to sea, never to be recovered. If that's true, it makes sense to pick Sligo as the place to go out, even if he had no real knowledge of the town. Sligo is on the western side of Ireland and sits on the Atlantic Ocean, making the possibility of the body washing out to sea greater than if he'd done this somewhere else, like on the eastern side of Ireland, for example. It's also near the border with Northern Ireland, so there's easy access to change jurisdictions to throw off law enforcement. It's also been suggested that Peter Bergman could have been a fan of the works of Irish literary titan William Butler Yeats, who frequented Sligo during his life. Maybe Bergman selected Sligo as the place to end his life due to its association with Yeats. As a sub-hypothesis to this one, uh, this this uh, Yeaty, Yeaty? Yeezy. The Yeaty, the uh, literary monster. <laughs> Some people think that Peter Bergman meticulously planned his death at Ross's Point Beach, but they also believe that Bergman actually used the postage he purchased and mailed some letters. The hypothesis goes that the letters went to Bergman's family to let them know of his intentions to kill himself due to his advanced illnesses. If he committed suicide, his family may not have been able to claim full benefits from insurance or whatever resulting from his death. So the family was able to collect the full amount from his death. Now, assuming that he could be declared dead in his home jurisdiction, we're not sure where he's from, so... Who knows what the legal requirements are? <laughs> Whatever the case, the hypothesis maintains his family got the full benefits and he has kept quiet ever since, ever since, so as not to cause issues. Now, having said all that, what are we to make of the fact that Peter Bergman didn't die by drowning? That seems pretty much like the obvious thing he was trying to do, and yet his cause of death was a heart attack. To be fair, we don't know that Bergman didn't ingest some kind of drug to induce a heart attack. If you recall, the toxicology screen didn't check for absolutely every substance imaginable. It's also possible that given Bergman's friggin' terrible health condition, that getting into the chilly ocean waters that fateful night, combined no doubt with emotional stress, yeah, was guess, too much I for guess his heart to take. somebody with, with also equally horrible health conditions, you're allowed to, like, scrutinize oh, this Oh, yeah, guy. I can go all hard on him because, I mean, my body is shit. Absolute fucking trash. <laughs> I mean... I'm like, <laughs> I just, sorry. I just think, yeah, you, nobody's got to, you're just going hard on this guy for having horrible health, ah, but it's like friggin' terrible health, <laughs> awful health. Sorry. So maybe his heart gave out in the water with all this emotional stress, the physical stress of the water and this sort of upended his plans to float out to sea. Uh, regardless, it's kind of weird that with all the seeming premeditation of Bergman's actions and with a seemingly apparent desire to drown in the ocean, that Bergman ultimately succumbed to something ostensibly unpredictable in the form of a heart attack. Again, I'm not sure the heart attack negates any of the hypotheses, but it's definitely something to consider. Now, while the hypothesis that Bergman was trying to terminate his life due to his extensive health problems, as Andy loves to point out, <laughs> is certainly a popular hypothesis, but it ain't the only one. No, as bad a health as he had, which was really fucking bad. You might say you have a Peter Bergman hypothesis, but it's not the only one. I hope someday you'll create one. <laughs> and, and it will world. be the right one. <laughs> yeah. 
Another hypothesis suggests that Bergman was some sort of intelligence operative. Someone with the necessary experience to avoid being seen by CCTV cameras when disposing of his personal belongings before ending his life to evade capture by hostile agents. Aside from explaining how the man could get rid of all of his stuff without being seen, this potentially also explains the man's need to just kind of disappear without a trace. While it's possible that Peter Bergman was a man on the run from the government agents or something else, there's really no evidence that this is true in any way, shape, or form. But then again, there's not much evidence of any of his motivations. So I guess this is as valid as anything. Sure. Now, believe it or not, Bunkfunkers, there are some hypotheses out there that actually attempt to suggest the identity of the person who called himself Peter Bergman. For example, YouTuber Andapen put forward the hypothesis that the real Peter Bergman could be a Dutch man named Johannes Hubert Quist, who disappeared from Tholen in the Netherlands in 2004. Quist left work in his car on the 4th of July, USA baby, and never returned. The car was found in France about a two and a half hour drive from Quist's home, but Quist himself has never reappeared. The ages and physical descriptions of Quist and Bergman are kind of similar, not far enough apart to completely rule out a match. And honestly, they do look a bit alike. But as with so many of these hypotheses, there's really no known evidence to link the two, and it's not known if the Gardai ever made this connection and investigated this possibility. Now, to be fair, bunkfunkers, this next hypothesis is fairly heavily disputed, but hey, because te- technically every hypothesis in this case is disputed too. We're just saying. Just saying. Not everybody buys this one. It's been suggested that Peter Bergman was the child of a Nazi war criminal. Okay, maybe that's a little bit more intense than he was just some guy with bad health who wanted to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who used the name Peter Bergman to obscure the connection to his insidious father. Darth Insidious. Darth Insidious. <laughs> The connection to the Nazis comes from uh, Tania Krasnanskis. 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 Succinctly titled book, Children of Nazis, colon, The Sons and Daughters of Himmler, Goring, Host, Mengele, and Others. Uh, M-Dash, Living with a Father's Monstrous Legacy. Jesus Christ. This is a fucking Mr. Bunker episode title or what? Yeah. <laughs> that could be the name of our next podcast. Jesus Christ. In which the story of the son of Martin Bormann, a high-ranking Nazi, used the name Bergman to conceal his identity. Bormann's son, Martin Adolf Bormann, I mean, oof. Roblox, oof. Sound effect, insert here. What a name. Exactly the same as his Nazi father, except for Adolf added. Yikes! Yikes! There it is. Anyway, Martin Adolf Bormann was hiking in Austria when he got sick and a local farmer took him in. Borman told the father, his farmer, his name was Bergman with two N's. And that's pretty much it. There's no other connection to Peter Bergman, the Brady Bergman case, other than he uses Bergman with two N's. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the connection. And finally, Bunkfunkers, maybe it was just a big hoax. Some people have suggested that Siren Cassidy, the filmmaker behind a 2013 documentary, a short documentary called The Last Days of Peter Bergman fabricated the whole story as a statement on society's obsession with true crime. Wow. God, I mean, God is so good. What a hoax. For what it's worth, though, Cassidy maintains that the case is real. Well, bunkfuckers, we hope we were able to give your mind tummies something to digest 
with this truly baffling case. I mean, who was Peter Bergman really? And what was he doing in Sligo? And why did his life end the way that it did? Well, we still have so many questions. Despite consuming the full Irish whole enchilada breakfast on this topic, unfortunately, we may never get the answers we want. Even though that might be the case, I'll leave you with this passage from William Butler Yeats. What is it? Yeats? Yeats. Oh, that was Yeats. Yeats! William Butler Yeats! No, I know you're a big literary fan, so you (laughs) it's a good joke. You know it's Yeats. I'll leave this, I'll leave you with this passage from William Butler Yeats. Prose Reverie. What is that? Reverie. Prose Reverie. Why are you using big ass fucking words again? This is like dirigible. This is a whole dirigible thing. Per amica silentia lunae. Yeah. Which seems pretty relevant in this case. Now, the passage from Yeats. He only can create the greatest imaginable beauty who has endured all imaginable pains. For only when we have seen and foreseen what we dread shall we be rewarded by that dazzling, unforeseen, wing-footed wanderer. We could not find him if he were not in some sense of our being, and yet of our being. But as water with fire, a noise with silence. He is, of all things, not impossible, the most difficult. For that only which comes easily can never be a portion of our being. Soon got, soon gone, as the proverb says, I shall find the dark grow, I shall find the dark grow luminous, the void fruitful, when I understand I have nothing. That the ringers in the tower have appointed for the hymen of the soul, Passing bell. Ding dong. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Hey, welcome back, bunk fuckers. There was a research of William Butler Yeats. I like that. Yeats. Um, no, that was our research of the Peter Bergman case. Uh, give me your freaking deets. I'm William Butler Yeats. Oh. Bunk bunkers. Andy is slowly losing his voice. He has bad allergies right now. Yeah. He's slowly yeah. losing his voice. You know. It's funny. Um, but he's also in a lot of pain. Like, yeah. like Much like the titular Mr. Bergman. Yeah, like Mr. Bergman. Except unlike him, I'm going to take drugs. I take drugs. 
I'm doing drugs. I'm so drunk. I'm I'm doing you know, Bung Bunkers, uh, you know, I guess you can call me Pony Andy because I'm a little horse. Oh, my God. You fucking suck. But I will eat. I'm going to yeet you out of here. I will eat. <laughs> I will eat pellets out of your hand, though. And your kids can ride me. And you're always asking people to, you're always, you know, people people who know you really well carry sugar cubes in their pockets. Oh, my God. I love sugar cubes. Yeah. What's up with sugar cubes? Why you don't sugar, see those a lot anymore? Why did do sugar you? come in cube form? I think that it was just because it was easy to drop in like coffee or tea. I guess it was a singular measurement. And I think that, you know, the standard been, measurement. It's been more replaced by, uh, you know, packets, which are more sanitary, I guess. That's true. Because it's like an individual. It's like the amount of How sugar in a sugar cube. How they compress the sugar into a cube? Do you know that? I don't know the answer You're a confectionery. Why don't you know? I don't know. Um, I have another question. I assume that you just put enough pressure on it and then you can kind of like, yeah. you know, get it into a shape. You know what's bullshit, though, is voluminous loads. Oh, yeah. I hate, like, I hate coming a lot. Like when you come too much, is that what you mean? <laughs> Voluminous loads? Yeah. It's like you, you come a, too much. You take a bunch of lycothin pills and then you come like fucking 20 milliliters. No. Like non-metric volumes are like stupid as fuck. Like what's a tablespoon? Oh, I get it. Give me grams, dude. Grams, everything. Because a tablespoon, can, a rounded tablespoon is different from a flatted tablespoon. It's different mm -hmm. from a... I could tell you a tablespoon, and you could tell me a tablespoon, and we come up with two different measurements. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. I'm sick of volume. Yeah. No. Give yeah. me weight. Okay, that's fair. I have a I have a nice kitchen scale at home. And it does it does wonders. It's great to be able to weigh stuff. I weigh everything. Wow. Everything. Wow. Okay. Art's Art's got a steely glaze. Gaze. Oh my god. He's like <laughs> Oh, I love that band, Steely Glaze. <laughs> Sweet. Rosalie. <laughs> um, Andy, this is uh, the, another head scratcher. A head scratcher of an unknown, unknown I mean, mysteries. I mean, this this really is a lot like the Summerton Man. This really is a lot like the Ice Doll Woman. It's a little bit different, but it has a lot of the similar kind of elements. Let me just get this out of the tap. Okay. You know, you listen to these people talk, these Irish accents. <laughs> Where am I going with this? Just hang on. Okay. The way that they say Peter Bergman, they say it like it sounds like Peter Birdman. It sounds like they're saying Peter Birdman. Right. And in which case, maybe we don't need to find out anything about this guy if he's Peter Birdman. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a good point. Yeah. You know he, what I'm saying? Not a fan of this Peter Birdman. If he was part bird, fuck him, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's very similar to how I feel about fucking Tony Hawk, who I will kick his ass. Yeah. Because I don't like birds. Yeah. And I think you come around here, you know. How do you feel about Captain Falcon? Yeah, fuck that guy too. And, uh, and you know, and I just think Peter Birdman, it's like, ugh. Stay away. Peter Birdman. Peter Birdman. Um, Peter Birdman. You know, something else that's kind of funny, and like, we're going to do this, but it is funny with cases like this, is, um, and even like some of the documentaries about it is like, they interview people about him and they'll be like, yeah, he looked very worried. You know, like somebody was following him. And it's kind of like, you got that from him? Like, I don't know. Are you kind of just saying that in hindsight? But then again, I mean, that's what we're going to do when we give our verdicts is like, yeah, pull a bunch of bullshit out of our ass from hindsight. You right? know what a lot of people say? But it's kind of funny. You know what a lot of people say about this one, too? A lot of people, I think, just automatically assume that Peter Bergman was trying to commit suicide. Yeah. Because of his health. And... 
he went to such great lengths to try to conceal his identity, being so careful to make sure that he wouldn't be identified. A lot of people say like, oh, I feel weird about even talking about this because I'm trying to figure out who he was. And that goes against his last wishes. Hmm. I mean, good thought. I don't feel that way, but <laughs> it raises the question. Like if you want to completely disappear from the earth, do you have the right to do that? <laughs> do you have the right for like, should people respect that and say, no, That's I'm never going to, you wanted to disappear. I'm never going to try to figure out who you were. That's true. I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's like a, um, it's like a, it's like, uh, like a, musician or um jd salinger who like didn't want mm -hmm. any of his stuff published in, in that way he didn't want to be commodity like he didn't want to have that kind of stuff commoditized or whatever he never wanted right. movies made and then it's like what right you know do you have a right to your when when you create something and you put it out there into the public does it become like you know the public's thing after a certain point in time and you just have to accept it you know and it's I guess we're kind of doing something different. This is like, this isn't like intellectual property. This is like somebody's life and their last wishes. Yeah. I mean, I guess not. I mean, if there's no homicide, then the state has no reason to investigate it. So they don't give a fuck. And it's really just asshole podcasters and YouTubers like us. Right. Have you or ever, like, what's going on, man? Whoa, is he a fucking spy, dude? Like, what's going on, dude? Have you James ever, Bund? Have you ever... James James Bundman? James Bundcake? Have you ever heard of Lyle Stevick? No. So, it's this case of... It's very similar. Sounds like your attorney. Yeah, Lyle Stevick? Yeah. No, no, it can't be my attorney. My attorney's in jail. Um, <laughs> but Lyle Stevick was this guy... This was the name he used when he checked into a, to a hotel in Washington State. And he committed suicide. And it's part of his thing that he didn't want his identity to be known. He was like, uh, if I'm, if I'm remembering right, suffering from mental illness and stuff. And he had been out of touch with his family for a long time. So nobody reported him missing because they just assumed that he had kind of dropped off the grid and they hadn't talked to him for a long time anyway. Well, eventually police were able to like through DNA, tie him back to his family. Hmm. And they have never made public his name. His name has never been made public. They solved the case. They figured out who he was. His name's never been made public because that was his, his family has declined to like release that information. That's their prerogative then. Yeah. That's their right. I have no problems with that. Yeah. But you know, it's like people point to that and say, well, but there's know, no, there's no indication that Peter Bergman doesn't want to be found out. We don't know right. what the fuck he was doing. Yeah, we're we're yeah. speculating that he didn't want to be found out. I totally agree with you. It's people putting yeah. it on him. About we, time. <laughs> the first time this has ever happened that I agree with you completely. But people don't even know that we don't even know that he was trying to kill himself because he was very ill. God forbid I get back into my my argument that that mac and cheese should be made on the stovetop and not in the oven. I agree with that. You actually agree with that? Oh fuck. I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> I think that you can stovetop mac and cheese is so good. I think you can make very like gooey, creamy oh mac and cheese on the stovetop. Oh and I love it. There's nothing wrong with baked mac and There's cheese. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just not the fucking same. I prefer it on the stovetop. Yeah. And it's nice. You can make it in one pot. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, we don't know. I mean, if he, if he wrote like a note that said, stop trying to find me, leave me alone or something, then it would be like, okay, yeah, we're going against this guy's wishes. Yeah. And the wishes of this family and like 
at the same time, it's like, should, should society allow something like that? Should you be able to say like, I want to die. I don't want anyone to know who I am. And like, even authorities don't investigate my death. You're getting into like a big argument with like, should euthanasia be allowed? Yeah. I mean, that's where we're headed. um, Obviously if this is suicide, like, you know, people go to these lengths because it's like, he didn't want to go, th- you know, if he did do this because of his health, he didn't want to go through the suffering. Um, sure. I think a lot of people probably have experience with uh, people who have like terminal illnesses. Oh, yeah. And end of life. And it's it isn't it's not fun. No. You know, it's not fun. It's not fun for the person. Whoa, suffering. hot take, baby. Terminal illness. Not fun. That's, that's <laughs> the kind of stuff you can expect from Mr. Bunker. Like, hot takes galore. Hey, having a terminal illness turns out. Ain't a fucking carnival. Um, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that dying kind of sucks for your family. <laughs> hey, bunk funkers, turns out having cancer fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew cancer is bad? Yeah. So, you know, it's like, do people, should people have the right to say, I am of sound mind, attested to by a person who has authority vested by the government or whatever yeah, to say like, yes, this person is, is capable of making a decision. Um, you know, and they say, I want to end my life prematurely. Should they be allowed to do that? I watched a documentary on this a while ago from HBO. Um, it was really, um, Oh, okay. So I was going to say, I thought, there's not a lot of states that allow legal euthanasia, but actually there are. Wow. There um, are? While active euthanasia is illegal throughout the U.S., assisted suicide, I don't know what the difference is, uh, legal in Colorado, Oregon, Hawaii, Washington, Vermont, Maine, New Jersey, and California, the District of Columbia, one county in New Mexico, and is de facto legal in Montana. Huh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it was, a, I mean, it was a, fucking awful depressing documentary about all these people who yeah had all these like terminal problems and they just like didn't want to live they didn't want to go through this shit anymore right and um yeah 100 i think i think you both you and i agree i mean we people can kind of get where we our heads are usually at on stuff we're, we're big on like you should be allowed to do what you want as long as you're not like fucking annoying the shit out of other people yeah and but so, I this is your choice it's your fucking life yeah, and there's a big difference between like I mean, you should have to like go we, we, I'm not saying like we should open up fucking suicide booths like in Futurama. Yeah. But like um you know, if you're literally some, suffering from a horribly painful severe illness or um what's that awful disease that's like only genetic and it like kills you by the time you're 30, Huntington's? Huntington's disease, something like that. Yeah. It's like, it's a hundred percent. You will pass it down to your kids. And it's like, you basically just like, and you you can't, it like doesn't appear like the gene doesn't appear until like later in life or something. Right. It's some awful fucking bullshit. Yeah. Stupid bullshit thing in the world. Um, And it's like, you know, if you're like, well, this fucking sucks, you know? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, you should have to go through a process is what I'm saying, because you really got to be sure. Right. Yeah. Because you uh, ain't coming back. Yeah. It's, you make that decision one time. Yeah. Um, well, you should be able to go out the way you want to go out. I mean, who doesn't agree with that? I mean, yeah, that's what hospice is for. Right. Right. It's like, hey, 
hundred percent. We know if we're going to, if you, if you come out of the hospital like that, if you stay in the hospital, the hospital will do everything in their power to fucking keep you alive for as long as possible. Even that mm-hmm. means living like a goddamn vegetable. Yeah. That's their, and that's they'll their fuck, role. They'll Terry Shivo you for the right. rest of your fucking life. Yeah. And otherwise you can be like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm going to hospice. Peace. Yeah. Going out on my own, t- own fucking accord. Ho- hospice is a very valuable service. I mean, palliative care is palliative sometimes care. the best, the best op, the better option, the more humane option. Yeah. You can argue it. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's like the, the thing is like you get to that point. I mean, Terry Shavo hashtag too soon. <laughs> That's an inside joke. From too soon. Andy. Too soon. Um, yeah. but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's like to get to hospice, you have to be at a certain, you have to meet certain like qualifying oh, like, things and stuff and blah, blah, blah. It's basically like, yeah, we we feel as the, like, it's like, you know, there's no coming back. Yeah, and who knows, Peter Bergman might not have like qualified for that. You know what I mean? Like, they might have said like, we don't know where he's from. Yeah, we don't know what the rules would be. Could have been Germany, could have been Austria, could have yeah. been Latvia. Yeah, people just assume that he's German or Austrian. Luxembourg. Could have been Andorra. Could have been Switzerland. Could have been Belgium. Could have been Switzerland. Could be from anywhere. Could be right from the UK. Could be from Bosnia. Who knows? If you know, tell us. Um, Yeah, we have no idea what he qualified for. We have no idea. We do know that he had horrible, painful health conditions. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah, doctors have said like, you know, tumors in the bones just like it would be like constant pain yeah like he would he probably was experiencing constant pain yeah yeah he was taking nothing for it you know it's interesting and the uh, another fact big fan of purple yeah love the color purple loved that purple bag now Um, why go to ireland no idea yeah no idea i mean everything that people suggest like oh it's there was no passport check. It's like, but he was already in Great Britain. So it's like, I guess it's like, oh, he could, he could not do a passport check because he took the ferry and then he's on the bus, I guess. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't know. UK, ch- can our UK like, listeners tell us what's up? Because we've covered a number of UK different true crime cases and unsolved cases involving like the UK. And it's like, I don't know. Every time they're like, yeah, we have no way of tracking that guy. Yeah. I'm like, uh, what the fuck? Like, you got passports, you got fucking all this shit. Like, you Peter, got, like you got the Erickson twins, and yeah. it's like, I was gonna say Peter Bergman sounds a lot like the Erickson twins, where it's like, oh, he got on a ferry, so we have no idea what happened to him. It's like, what happens when you get on ferries in the UK? Yeah, what you just deal? disappear from existence. Yeah, UK, let us know. Some What's sort up? of like a wormhole? If he's on the water, we will not touch him. He's, I don't know what I'm accent I'm doing, but well, he's out in the water. I can't. You can't do nothing about that. He's out in the water. Yeah, he's good. Cool. Doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. My jurisdiction is only for the land, yeah. not for the sea. No, that's for the fish and for the king Neptune. We, it's king Neptune's jurisdiction. We don't. We don't. We don't. We respect, respect the monarchs. All of the monarchs. <laughs> God save the king of the ocean, King Neptune. King Neptune. Long may he reign. His beautiful princess Ariel. God, I love them. Oh my God, <laughs> save the queen. Do it all for her. <laughs> <laughs> God.
God, we're the worst. Yeah. This is why people hate us. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, it's like obviously he used a fake name. So you can't just search Peter Bergman. Because his you, passport wouldn't match. What what would what would uh what would your fake name be, dude? Oh god, great question. Um Peter Bergman's a pretty fucking boring fake name. You gotta go with something cooler than that. Um Yeah. Sniff you later. <laughs> uh Rod Longmont. <laughs> Rod Longmont. That's a good one. That's a fun name. Yeah, Rod Longmont. How about Bert Hammer? Bert Hammer's a good one too. Yeah. Last names that are odd objects. Like I want to be like Tony Salt. <laughs> it's like, whoa, who the fuck's this guy? Tony Salt. What's he do? Tony I don't know. Salt. <laughs> It's like, what's this guy's mysterious? Oh God, Tony Salt, uh, <laughs> Troy Bagel, Sammy Truck. Like what? Your last name is Truck. Yeah, you better believe it. I'm checking into this hotel, and you're never gonna see me again. Reggie Pistol. <laughs> Reggie Pistol. That's a good one. The Pistol. Benny Turkey Club Sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) Those are all good names. But yeah, Peter Bergman's a fake name. We don't know. And I mean, I guess we don't know when he came into the country, right? Yeah. I mean, they know when he obviously passed into Ireland. They know when he boarded the bus in Derry. Mm -hmm. But nobody knows really what happened to him before that. So he's in Derry in the afternoon, hops on the bus, arrives in Sligo. Before that, nobody knows. Yeah. I mean, pay with cash? Yeah, he had cash, paid for his stay, still had money left over. So, you know, presumably he just paid everything in cash and, you know, didn't, it's like he was seen all about the hotel in those three days that he stayed there, but he never got close to anybody. Um, nobody really learned anything about him. I mean, interesting that in 2009, even never seen talking on the phone or anything, you know, I mean, it's you, it's wild. You think like, there's no way if you like, I don't know, at least to me, I would be like, yeah, there's no, they would be able to track somebody no matter what. And it's like, oh, you didn't even work that hard. <laughs> like, ever, yeah. like, I don't know. People are like, he knew where the CCT cameras were. I'm like, did he? I think he just like, I just think that like CCT cameras aren't as capturable as you think. That uh, the YouTuber and a pen that we mentioned yeah. in the script did a little like went to Sligo and walked around and like recorded it and basically said like, it's not that hard to avoid the CCTV cameras. Like you can, they're visible. Yeah. You can see where they are mm-hmm. and there's lots of spots like in alleyways and stuff where there's, you know, it's not recording. So, like, he traced kind of the route that Bergman would have walked from the Sligo City Hotel to the bus depot uh, on the day when he took the bus to the beach. Mm-hmm. So his last day of, when he checked out. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's like three different waste bins where, I, where he could have tossed the bag. There you go. And it's like that's what police kind of found is that 
without knowing where he went, it could be lots of places where he dumped this stuff. So they don't sure. know where to look. And they call around and they ask some of the rubbish collectors and stuff. And it's like, nobody knows. Nobody saw anything. Oh, you ain't going to find that. Little bag of shit. Yeah. Little feces. I kind of I kind of wonder, like, why dispose of his personal stuff, though? I don't know. We don't know. I mean, it's like nobody knows there... anything about this guy. I, I mean, I made a joke earlier. I made a crack earlier about uh, oh, this is crack. Oh, is you say? Oh, you and your freaking jokes. You think you're so fucking funny. This is right, crack. Um, I never heard that one. But, uh, you know, that like you can't speculate about people, but it just it seems from his mannerisms or maybe not. I don't know that he's just a very private person. Maybe he feels yeah. maybe there's some semblance of shame that he's kind of doing this. He doesn't want anybody to find out who he is. He doesn't want his family to find out. He doesn't. Just, I don't know. Maybe he fucking loves Ireland. And he just wants to spread his personal belongings all around. It's beautiful. Yeah. The area around Sligo, very beautiful. Uh, do you think he mailed those letters? Do you think he mailed letters? It would appear so. I kind of feel like he did. Yeah. I kind of I kind of find myself like gravitating toward the whole thing of like he was gonna commit suicide, but he knew it would fuck stuff up for his family. So he sent them letters. Hmm. So they're basically all accessories to fraud. Because they collected his death benefits when they shouldn't have been eligible to get it. So his criminal family is all keeping quiet. His death goes unsolved. <laughs> That's the real injustice. Defrauding whatever government was his home. Defrauding. Oh, my God. Nothing makes me madder when people steal government benefits. <laughs> Our governments do so much for us. Yeah. We should honor and respect them. Um, I don't know, Andy. You ready to get to some verdicts here? I mean, you kind of just gave one. I know. I kind of fucked that up, didn't I? Showed my hand. I'm going to go fucking... This is my first time doing the show. I'm going to go stuff you in a purple bag and <laughs> drop you off in the waste bin where you belong. This is my first time doing the show. I don't know how it works. <laughs> well, welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. It's a very stupid show. And uh, has a plethora of one-star reviews. Um, Andy, I mean, I know I'm ready to give a verdict. Are you ready to give a verdict? I'm ready. All right. Um. Okay. So out of all these options, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go plausible plus and a half. That Peter Bergman was a sick man with an absolutely fucking shit body, terrible fucking health. Um, absolutely trash, fucking garbage constitution, just absolutely awful. Everything about his physical health. Um, <laughs> and he decided that he wanted to choose the way that he went out. Yeah. And I think he, I'm plausible plus and a half that he post that he did, that he decided on to go to Ireland. I really have no idea why. Um, so he could wash out to sea. He got in the water. And a heart attack stopped that from happening. He was probably swimming. He probably just had a heart attack, died. The tide carried him in. It was probably not long after high tide. He probably wandered out into the the ocean at its deepest point, uh, at Ross's point, and, you know, died without 
in a way he didn't expect, and that's how his body ended up on the shore. I think probably what he intended was there would be a pile of clothes on the floor and on the rock and nothing else. Yeah. Um, I also probably, I also think that he posted those letters mm-hmm. to his family and that's why we've never heard anything uh, that they are all, you know, so they could get life insurance or, you know, if there's government death benefits or whatever, they were able to collect some semblance of financial security despite his passing. Who knows? Maybe he was a sole provider for his family and everybody relied on his income and he knew that was going to dry up. If it was an accidental death, can it still, can't you still collect benefits? Um, yeah, accidental death, but if he committed suicide, they wouldn't be able to. How do you determine whether it's a suicide or not? Well, it's like they, they investigate, they determine. Maybe he was just going for a swim and he had a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, now it seems like he would have, because either he would have disappeared completely mm-hmm. or it's like we get what we got. Right. You know, if his body disappeared completely, it's like, oh, eventually they would have said, well, I mean, maybe his family now could come forward because it's like, oh, he died of a heart attack. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe they would try to be like, well, this is pretty suspicious. Maybe there was some intent to defraud. Um, I don't I don't know what to make of this uh, Johan Quist from the Netherlands. Eh. I'm not so hot on it. It just seems like it's, you know, like it's amazing that this YouTuber put this together. It's incredible. Like an incredible find because they do kind of look alike, but there's just like, there's no, there's nothing to like tie it together. Right. I mean, case closed on the fucking Nazi thing. Like this is not even, the book isn't even talking about him. It's like, right. It tells this one story and people are like, well, look, it's the same name. Obviously these must probably was the same guy. Yeah. what the fuck? How do you even get there? If people have the same name, then these are the same person. If people have the same name, it's the same person. Case closed. So I'm case closed on that. Um, Big time. And on the quiz thing, I don't know. I'm probably like plausible minus minus. Wow. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Well, Andy, I agree with you. I agree with your main verdict. Oh, wait. Secret agent. what a fucking verdict is. Stopping Se- me in the middle of my Secret verdict. agent. I'm going to yeah. go like plausible molecule on Wow. Just don't feel, I don't feel it. No, I felt it more with the Taman should and especially with the eased all woman. Oh yeah. I think we both were like, this is a fucking spy. Eased all woman for sure seems like espionage related. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you actually, but I'm going to go even harder. I'm saying case closed on the spy and highly plausible. Oh, wow. Okay. To whatever is the closest to case confirmed that it's, he was just a sickly old man. Yeah. Who wanted to go out on his own fucking terms and he all those purple bags were his little possessions. I don't know. For some reason he wanted to dump them in Ireland somewhere. We don't know what the possessions were. No. They could have been I don't I don't know. They could have been any number of little knickknacks or things or who knows? Maybe it was money and he buried money and I don't know. He could have done anything. Yeah. Um we don't know anything about this guy. I don't know if he even had a family. Yeah. That's true. Maybe he was just mailing letters to various things or he was closing out some old friendships, something. I don't know. Like, hey, here's what happened to me. No, I agree. It's very, it's it's nice to think that he was a prolific, like, letter to the editor writer. Yeah. And these were his last eight or ten angry letters to the editor about right. how bad their newspapers were. <laughs> right before he died. Yeah. Well, Bug buggers, those are our verdicts. Let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. Uh, hashtag the Blarney blokes. 
The Blarney blokes, let us know what you think on the Peter Bergman case. Email us. Peter Bergman. Pod. Peter Bergman. Peter Bergman. Uh, we went down to Russ's Point Beach and there was Peter Bergman <laughs> lying by the rock, by the concrete he slipway. He errand. He was running an errand. He had a purple, pur- purple bag. Purple bag. Purple bag. Purple bag. One of these plastic bags. No Americans on it whatsoever. Couldn't tell where it's from. It's one of these rectangular shaped. Wow. It's got uh, handles cut in the top. It had a few things in it, but you can't really tell what he's got in there. Peter Bergman walking around Sligo. Thank you, Andy O'Shaughnessy. <laughs> Email us about Andy O'Shaughnessy or the Peter Bergman case, MrBuckerPod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. If you loved Andy O'Shaughnessy, <laughs> invite him to come back on the show. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at MrBuckerPod. Find us on YouTube, Mr. Booker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. And if you feel so inclined, you want to support the show, you want to get two extra episodes of content every single month, you want to get access to the Discord where you can chit-chat with us in the bunk fuckers. You want to get a monthly bunker newsletter. Check it out. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time. Nope, never mind. Patreon.com. Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Thank you, Andy O'Shaughnessy. Top um, of the morning. <laughs> Andy O'Shaughnessy, do you have any last words? Um, European butter, much better than butter here in America. Um. Obviously, the cattle there in Ireland are very well cared for, and they've got that high fat content in the butter. Okay, it's mm. very delicious. Smear it on me toast. <laughs> Who are you? I'm in genitals. That's <laughs> <laughs> me. I knew you to see. No, I my god, hey. tiny, tiny, tiny. Let me rip this mask off. This is just Andy Hart. When Irish eyes are smiling. <laughs> talking about smearing butter on his genitals that's something that andy would say ah you got me (laughs) it wasn't really andy o'shaughnessy well we're not the titular mr bunker or andy o'shaughnessy but for my moratorium (laughs) the moratorium on me andy hart i'm art stone saying that was the whole enchilada oh danny boy the pipes the pipes are calling him too hoarse to sing. Oh, God. He's oh, a fucking fuck. horse. Anyway, it's me. I just want to say, say it later. Arr, I've been shot. Who shot Andy O'Shaughnessy? Oh, no. I'm I'm falling on this map of Ireland. Where my fingers point will reveal who killed me. <laughs> History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? 
in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II. And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.